So welcome to this week's and in fact the first week's edition of the Retech podcast. I'm Paul Bessent, your host, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Darren Williams, DW, this morning. Now, ordinarily at this point, I would uh, delve into the biog and sort of reel off a few facts as to why DW is an interesting guest, but actually so interesting is his background that that's going to be really the first topic of our conversation. So uh, DW, thank you very much for taking the time to join me. You're so welcome. Good afternoon to you. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. So we can go through some of your huge uh, retail roles, but I have to start because, you know, interesting character like yourself, young Williams in his short trousers at school, staring out of the window. Did you dream of a career in retail? How did it all start? And, and did, was it the only place you could get a job? You know, <laughs> what kicked it off? there's something some of the truths in there somewhere yeah so um i wish i could sit here and tell you i dreamt of a of a career in retail and it all came to pass so that's not quite how it worked out um i was actually um in a very uh heavily influenced police family um and so it was hoped that i would be uh, going into the force and i just knew it wasn't for me i think i wanted to be an estate agent at one point in um, in my teens um but um i i tried a few things on leaving school at age 16 and it was actually go and get a job type situation my mother kicked me off the sofa one day and said uh you're not coming back till you found something so uh i ended up being a christmas temp at radio rentals if you remember that retailer i and, do um, I'm, I'm such a vintage i remember their dominance on the high street yeah, yeah they had a thousand stores it's hard to believe really so um and um uh, my manager at the time, Sue, who I'm still in touch with the, to this day, which is lovely, um, told me that if I, um, if I could behave myself and focus, I could have a really good career in retail. I'll never forget those words. And I ended up being there for five years. And that's how it all kicked things off. So, um, yeah, an accidental retail career rather than a, um, a yeah, divine plan. So were you there uh, during the growth phase or did Radio Rental start to wobble at that? point and then you thought now I'm off somewhere else what what led to the the departure from there I loved it I was you know I was there for the decline of rental but the uh the increase of other channels such as option to own and buy to buy to rent type options and so on so they were very clear that their you know their current formula needed to be evolved uh, so I was there doing some really interesting times I did a management training program with them I had my first store at age 19 um in, in Stroud, had two members of team, you know, which was great. Um, and I went on to run the biggest store in the country in Reading. I was still a very young man as well. I won store manager of the year, would you believe? So, um, yeah, it was great. I achieved a lot. I just had enough after five years and wanted to do something different. So I went into fashion retail instead. Um, and it seems like an age ago now we're talking about this, but this is going back to, you know, early, mid-90s still. Um, and I went into fashion retail for nearly four years. Okay. Which, you know, a young guy is, is, um, is a great industry to be in. And, and, you know, was that fast fashion? Was that high-end fashion? Where, where did you, did you think, I, could, I need a sharper suit for, for you know, than, than Radio Rentals was issuing at the time? What, what took you <laughs> we across had, We had to actually wear, we actually had to wear uh, issued uniform at Radio Rentals and it was pretty, um, it was pretty grim, I seem to remember. But um, it was nice to get into more fashionable clothes. I worked for, as it was known then, Best, Best Trading and then Best, and then it became Republic many years later. And um, I had the uh, store in Brent Cross. Um, 
So it was busy. I mean, it was, a, it was a three million quid turnover store. I mean, this is the days before online trading, of course, as well. So, um, you know, the, the store was everything. Um, and so it was a busy store. It was a massive Levi's dealer as well. So we had a huge wall of Levi's. Our sort of point of difference was a wall of jeans, you know, that we had. And um, it was a busy store. I loved it. I mean, I, I kind of embraced the madness of it all. It was a, a really, really busy environment, 30 odd headcount of team you know long trade 10 till 10 six days a week Sundays um but I loved it it was great and, and, and great fun to be in fashion retail is hard work anyone that's done fashion at the shop floor level uh I tip my cap to them absolutely because it's really hard work yeah I must admit you mentioned the the uniform there it reminded me um I was at Sainsbury's uh, when it owned home base uh at, at a, a long long time ago and uh, standard issue was green dungarees a lumberjack shirt and a brown tie and uh delightful absolutely delightful yeah. just thank goodness there's no photos i'm aware i'm still doing <laughs> so a whole raft of different businesses hospitality many people fair to say um you sort of really came to prominence uh, hotel chocolat was where if anybody's going i know that man's face or that man's name um you sort of oversaw am i right in saying the, the retail growth it went from quite a small number of stores which a few people knew to, to to really you know increasing its footprint on the high street would that be fair to say yeah i mean i came out of argos to go to the hotel shop opportunity and um you know i, I ran a quarter of a billion pound chunk of argos i ran i ran london and uh when i went to hotel shop i think our turnover was 30 million which was the same as three argos stores um so everyone thought i was a bit nuts but i've never really been that interested in sort of judging a, a business by its turnover i've been much more interested in opportunity um i always think it's a red herring to think that you work harder in higher turnover businesses anyway i mean you you work twice as hard in a seven figure business than you do in an eight figure business and so on so turnover is always a red herring i just really fancied the opportunity and i think you're right um, it was breakthrough in terms of profile probably as well, because um, the brand uh, became quite well known quite quickly. Um, it rightly and until this day is still um, loved for its chocolate. You know, it's an amazing product still. Um, I still am heavily in touch with many of the team there. And um, I was with a lot of the team at Christmas for a Christmas evening meal, actually. So um it's brilliant to see what happened with that brand. It was an amazing five years. I mean, I loved it. I'm, a, I'm an, an ongoing advocate of Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, we went from kind of a, a standing start, who are they retailer, through to a wow, they've arrived type retailer in that five years. I think it was 20, low 20s through to early 90s when I was there. Um, and US and Denmark and um, the Netherlands as well. So a brilliant opportunity and again a, a cracking five years you see a bit of a theme here by the way five years is a bit of a thing i was going to pick up on that four four or five years i'm uh, I'm, I'm hoping in your, you know i won't ask you uh, on air but in your personal life you've managed to, uh, uh, to to keep some things around a little bit longer than four <laughs> or five years I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say i actually haven't in fact my career has done better than my personal life in that sense so um yeah absolutely but yeah five years is my uh, is where the uh, itch needs to be scratched so to speak yeah so um, fast forward to today, uh, mm. and I'll come on to retech and the fact that you're chairing it. But but just quickly, what takes up the bulk of your day? Uh, I presume it's not filled with sort of uh, binge watching, binge watching, you know, five series of Netflix. You know, what what keeps what keeps you occupied? 
Oh, I wish it was. That would be great. I'd love to have those days from time to time. I don't even think I manage those at the weekend. So, um, so yeah, I, um, I went from uh, Hotel Chocolat to Paul to Unilever and uh, came out of Unilever at the end of 2017. And uh, it just felt like the right time to go it alone. Um, and so Williams Harding Consulting was born. Um, and from that four and a half year journey, um, I've met some really interesting clients and people and things have evolved. So in Williams Harding today, I've got two main clients. That is um, uh, a Spanish-based orthodontics business called Impress, and I'm leading their UK expansion. Um, the first two sites are open, Manchester, London. We've got three more being built and five more in legal. So we've moved really fast in the last 12 months. Um, I'm with the lovely tea company, Bird and Blend. Um, and I'm with the Retail Bulletin, which we'll go on to talk about. Um, and then coming out of my work at Williams Harding, I um, a client became part of my life more than I intended. So uh, scrubbed skincare for men. Um, I was there as the interim COO for a couple of years and uh, last summer led an investment raise to buy a part of that business with some others. Um, the founder's still there and I'm executive chairman of that business now as well. So um, that's one part. And then I'm non-exec chairman, just to, just to uh, yeah. what's the difference? Someone might ask. Um, I'm non-exec chairman of a, a company called Liberty Music PR, a music PR company. And again, they were a client for three years and I joined the board um, officially uh, on September the 1st last year. In fact, we have a photo shoot this afternoon uh, uh, oh. of, the, of the board and I'm not feeling like I'm very photogenic this afternoon at the moment. Well, so I, it is fair to say you, you, you probably do look like you could be in some sort of, uh, you know, uh, folk rock uh, band with a sort <laughs> of, you know, the, the, the high polo neck on and the... Yeah, I'll take that. But yeah, we have we have a, a team, some team stuff going on this afternoon at Liberty as well. So yeah, in a nutshell, Williams Harding, uh, Scrubbed, and Liberty uh, keep me exceptionally busy. Fantastic. And so, the whole point of you know uh, Retech Europe and the Retail Conference, as it's uh, called, which is the flagship conference within uh, what's going on at the NEC, eighth and 9th of November, is that we're going to bring all of that expertise of yours, and you are going to be the captain of the ship for two days navigating uh the audience through what's going on with the retail conference you know the the exhibition and the conference there is really about cutting edge technologies opportunities for retail a big slice of sustainability so from your uh various elevated positions what's your take on the opportunity for retailers broadly is it towards technology? Is it away from technology? You know, are you seeing any trends that you think we're going to going to have play out uh, later in the year when we all get together? Yeah, I mean, there's so many questions in there. So that's absolutely towards technology. And I think the blend of technology into the physical space is is absolutely key. You know, and there's some retailers doing that really well there's the obvious ones you know such as apple and microsoft but there's also some more um interesting brands you might not imagine to look at look at ribble cycles for example um and some of the work that they're doing in their stores and go and visit their clitheroe store um which uh, boasts one of the largest screens i think in europe if not the world so um but um yeah that journey towards tech implementing into the physical space is is absolutely vital and it still astonishes me how many retailers haven't embraced that. But part two in retail is I think it's actually a, a time of renewal for retail as well. 
Um, so retail was having it tough long before that little item called the pandemic came along. And um, I think the pandemic in some ways has forced retailers to, you know, using a Stephen Covey phrase here, sharpen the saw. And if they weren't doing it already, they really had to do it on the back of a pandemic to sort of, you know, really scrutinize their model, but work out in some cases how to save their business. And I think what's emerging out of the pandemic is a ultimately leaner, but hopefully fitter retail. Um, and there's still lots of excitement, I think, you know, out there. I think if I pick on another brand, Ikea just opened their new format in Hammersmith and there's, you know, lots of rumour. And I think it's a done deal that Ikea is going to be opening in the old uh, Topman Topshop on Oxford, right, yeah. for example. There's, there's some really interesting repurposing of space going on. You know, myself at, um, at Impress, the orthodontics clinic, you know, we've got an old WH Smiths that we've taken we've taken some new building you know shelves as well but we're repurposing retail space in some cases as well and there's that kind of identity shift happening across retail landscape which i think is really exciting i i've never subscribed to there's going to be swathes of empty desolate high streets all over the country sure there are some and there needs to be something done about revitalizing some of those town centers but also there's loads of things to be excited about um in a sector that is still hard pressed and still overtaxed and still unsupported as well, you know, and still it remains resilient. And I think that is the overall uh, message for me about retail. It's just its resilience and um, the hard work of its people. Yeah. You know, I'm always going to be a massive advocate for that because I've been one. Um, I've also been very heavily involved with the retail trust over the years. I'm, I'm back with the retail trust as an ambassador after a couple of years break from being there seven years previously. Um, and so very passionate about people in retail and also the, the careers that it can provide. You know, I was a young man, as you asked, did I plan to go to retail? No, I didn't, but it, it served me a brilliant career and I've worked hard, absolutely. But I think sometimes retail is looked upon as a, um, a secondary career or a plan B career. And actually it's, it's, it can be a plan A career. And it can it can take you off in paths that you could never imagine possible. So I'm a huge advocate for the industry overall. And you get me on this subject. I'll just yeah. talk. To so you probably better tell me to stop on this. I, point. But you're right, though. So, you know, I think, you know, you look at what's happened over the last couple of years. And I think, you know, you alluded to it. It's it's maybe sort of fast track. But the retailers that are there, you know, every time you go into a store, it's almost surprising if there isn't a new innovation because there's lots of stuff being trialed and some of it's bloody awful. Um, but some of it really works. I went into one apparel retailer and they've got the self checkout there uh, where you remove your own tags. Now, quite frankly, I'll be going nowhere near that self checkout ever again. It was terrible, but at least it's in there and they're trying it. And I'm sure, you know, in the, in the demo room, it was great, but in reality on a busy shop floor, version 1.0 for me isn't cutting it you know, yeah it was quicker to join the extraordinarily long queue and be served by a human being so it's yet to be a, a better experience but i admire people in there trialing this stuff some of the things that's going on with cctv way more than just a camera but facial recognition recognizing uh, valued customers i was privy to what's going on in some of the casinos and that's just crazy in terms of, you know, your favorite drink can arrive when you sit down because you've been spotted coming in if you give permission for that to happen. And, you know, all of that's very innovative.
the top people from the top organizations with the latest thinking about the best strategies to use in the greatest industry on earth, retail. The Retail Conference from the Retail Bulletin, exclusively at Retech Europe, 8th and 9th of November. Search The Retail Conference for more details. So, you're there, you're going to be chairing the retail conference. What are you, what are you going to be expecting to see? What, what can, you know, we allude to this sort of, you know, new technology coming on, but are we going to get some case studies from people? I know the Retail Bulletin are going to be drip feeding some of the big names that have already been lined up over the coming weeks, and I've been privy to a few of those, and it was very, very exciting. But, you know, you're sat here thinking... I'm going to deliver this and steer this. What, what, what can we expect to see? Well, I think, you know, some of that tech we mentioned will be showcased uh, in November. I think it's really important to mention that. But what will you expect to see? I think you expect to see, you know, a gang of three, 400 engaged retailers that are probably excited about being at a physical event. And I'm assuming they would have been at a few by then. But it's going to be a big, physical, proper retail conference, which I think people have been starved of for a long time so i think that's going to be great just the the being together bit i think first and foremost is important and actually to pick up on your point i had a meeting this morning and the lineup is looking really good it's a bit of a teaser yeah in there as well but the lineup is looking great and i think you know the party on the first night as well um so on the tuesday night we're going to have a, a you know a, a proper party celebrate 20 years of the retail bulletin um, and just be together in the industry. I think that's really important. But yeah, that tech will be talked about. That tech will be showcased. Um, I want to see ideas and examples of in-store experience. I want to see examples of customer engagement, team engagement as well, really importantly. So something sort of hearing some really key best practice um, from retailers centered around the tech world. But, you know, with regards to bearing in mind how retailers are winning culturally as well. So there's just, there's, there's no subject not on the table, um, but it will be centered around ultimately cool new tech showcased, talked about with a fantastic panel on lineup and a brilliant party on night one. Yeah. And you've got to love that, that brilliant party, haven't you? Because it's an opportunity. Yeah. We haven't been able to, to get together and uh, you know, a chance to do that is, uh, is always good. One final question for you. Um, mm. Are you optimistic or, and I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you to frame it, optimistic or pessimistic about the future of retail from where we are looking forward? Oh, let's go back to what I said, optimistic with a capital O. So, um, yeah, I mean, even in, the, even in the real, you know, doomsday times, I remember being at Argos in the financial crash of 2008, you know, and that's when we lost Woolworths, for example. And, you know, and, and the little woods of the world. And some people will be listening to this going, who? Um, but some of those heritage retailers, and, you know, that was the demise of the high street then, 14, 15 years ago. I've never, I've never subscribed to that argument. I've never subscribed to that expectation. I don't dismiss how tough it's been at all. Um, but I've always been excited about the industry. And I do think on the back of the pandemic and the sharpening of that focus, um, this is possibly one of the most exciting times in retail for a generation. Um, and, you know, shop is no longer king, but people still want to shop. Mm. 
you know, and they also want to shop how they want. They don't think in channels, they think in brands. And any retailer that doesn't understand that and make themselves accessible to a customer and however they want to be, you know, choose to shop is is losing out and, and probably won't make it actually. So I'm waffling to take away from your earlier question, but all of that said opportunity probably gives you the answer that I'm <laughs> massively optimistic. It's always nice to sort of speak to the fella converted, you know, because you know, I, I look at it and, you know, I remember you know, graduate intake uh, and being excited by retail. And I was, you know, in the stores when, you know, businesses were shut down and we were pulling out certain parts of the country. And and you're right, it was doom and gloom. And that was the end of the high street. And then it came back and we had this huge boom. And I think you're right, to your point, customers want to shop through whatever channel they want to shop through. And retailers that make that easy and seamless and buy from one channel, return from another, they are flying and they, they look like exciting and they are exciting places to be. But unfortunately, a minute, you know, I think I can predict the next couple of demises unless there's a strategic change. Because these people are, I refer, I've used the term before, they feel like they're stocked with sales prevention agents. It's yeah. difficult to do business with them. And to your point, you know, the technology and what we expect is just uh, is really you know, the driver for that great experience with a smiley face alongside it that's knowledgeable as well. Yeah, I was working in the US last week, actually. I was out with um, Scrubbed in, um, in, that's our biggest market in, in the US. Um, I was out over with our partner Nordstrom and um, I was also in Washington and New York. Um, and what struck me about US retail is it's clearly been hard hit um, by the pandemic, but I was underwhelmed overall with the stores that I was seeing. Nordstrom was amazing, I have to yeah. say. You know, they're a leading department store. They're the kind of the selfishes of the US, but kind of your everyday high street fashion store, uh, shoe stores and so on were underwhelming, actually. And a lot has closed down in the US since my last trip before the pandemic. So, you know, it's it's not to say that it's easy out there in any country in, in this industry, but um, there's loads to be you know grateful for. And people still want to go to a physical yeah. building, I think. You know, I'm really lazy. I you know I use Amazon probably more than I would like. I there was a great example recently where I, I'm just in the habit of ordering my Nespresso pods online. It's just easy to do. But I live in Westminster, and a 10 minutes walk is is the Nespresso store on Victoria Street. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I just said to my my partner, "Do you know what? I'm not going to order online. I'm going to take a 10 minute walk, and I just fancy going to the Nespresso boutique and actually buying my coffee." You know, I don't, it was just a random urge to go and be served by a person yeah. and meet some of the brands, representatives, and actually have a bit of a mooch and just see yeah. if I fancy something that I might not have spotted online. Yeah. And it just kind of inspired me. I want to do that a bit more because I actually still really enjoy going to shops. Um, I don't do food shopping online. I, I like going to a supermarket. Some people think that's really odd, but I like choosing my own food and just hanging out and seeing what else I might want to buy. Yeah. I, I just, I'm, I'd like to think, you know, I think for a, a long time, online was easier and better than stores. So everybody went yeah. online. It just feels like it's a case that the store experience needs to get better than online. And then we'll all pivot back the other way. Not clearly, not completely, but you know, stores have to be an experience. I love a store with a coffee shop or somewhere to eat or, you know, lots of experience and interaction. You know, I've got my boys are eight and nine. 
you know, if a store has got space uh, and is appealing to them, then the shopping experience is pleasurable. We were asked if we could um, calm them down uh, and perhaps take them outside in another store. Um, and I'm like, well, it's... so my, my retort was, well, perhaps if your customer service was a bit sharper and quicker, you'd have served us and would have been gone. Uh, <laughs> but we won't go back in because, you know, it was a bad experience. And this yeah. is a retailer that is struggling. And you think, you know, you're on my list of three, I'm afraid. You know, you're number two on my list. Yeah, um, and it's so important to, you know, and that experience piece is, it's, in, it's immeasurable, but it's also invaluable as well. And uh, if you get it, you just get it wrong once. It's um, it can be game over in some cases, depending on how you know fed up the customer is with you. Let's uh, yeah. use my language carefully there. Yeah, no, there you go. Look, um, DW, amazing. Um, I am going to uh, try and get you back on uh, as we head towards November's end, uh, event to give us an update. Um, I know you and I know some of the names on the agenda, but we can't uh, release them just yet. That's all part of the. Uh, the theatre and what's coming over the coming weeks. I know you've had a big input on the direction. Uh, it's looking amazing. Um, but for today, thank you so much for, for squeezing us in between photo shoots. That's just you know, oh, yeah. very decadent. You're welcome. Around. And there's, there's loads of great virtual events coming up this year. So, you know, if the audience cares to uh, check the Retail Bulletin website, there's loads of stuff coming up between now and November in the virtual world as well. Uh, kicking off in April, actually, with uh, the first part of, uh, of a three-part event. So take a look at that. Okay. And um, we were even discussing 2023 today and some of the stuff we've got coming up then. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a brilliant place to be, um, the Retail Bulletin, within a great industry. And we're really excited about some of the stuff we're going to be bringing you. Yeah, I think, you know, to have the Retail Bulletin alongside, you know, uh, the Retech Europe exhibition is just phenomenal. The Bulletin celebrating its 20th anniversary. Uh, retail knowledge so we're organizing the retech europe event uh, we're also celebrating our 20th anniversary so there's a, a hell of a lot of experience and expertise uh, bringing retech forward and i know you know when you plug all of those things together uh, and fabulous people like yourselves and uh you know no doubt straight from another photo shoot we'll be in for a hell of a couple <laughs> and, of days and at the NEC. it sounds like we're going to have lots to celebrate on that first party night anyway it's uh yes it sounds um uh, scary, exciting, and slightly terrifying all at the same time. But uh, EW for now, thank you so much for finding time. You're welcome. Thanks for taking time out of your day as well. It was good to talk. Take care. Thanks, Dan.